Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 59, the Punchboarders talk about some recent plays, head on over for a mailbag question, and finally, review the new hotness of Pan Am. Hey, everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. Nah, I'm Richie. Woo! That was a fun weekend, guys. Yes, it was. Really good weekend. We got some gaming in. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm still recovering. I know I'm back to work, but I am still recovering. I did yeah. not get much sleep this weekend. Uh, so for Punch Punch, uh, we, uh, the three of us had an opportunity. Uh, a couple of our friends invited us out to basically just kind of hang out at a house for uh, just um, it was three nights yeah. and just some mm-hmm. gaming, a lot of food. A lot of food. <laughs> lot we, of food. There, were, there were a few of us there, but we were social distancing otherwise because, I mean, it was out in the middle of, of nature. Yeah, we were yeah, definitely social distancing from the rest of the yeah, world. Yeah, yes, yeah. this is correct. I, I saw a beaver uh, and a deer. I saw a turkey. Yep. Uh, that's, we did see a turkey. We did see a turkey. <laughs> there were horses. I mean, this is the most outdoorsy thing I have done in <laughs> I, years. <laughs> I saw Clef play that Frisbee game. I've never seen Clef be so physically active. Uh, it was crazy. I about I died. I was going to die, yeah. <laughs> I about died. I had never played this game before. I guess it's called, in some places, Bottle Bash, where you have the poles in the ground and a bottle on top. I thought yeah. you guys were making up the rules seriously, though, because you called me in to play, and then you're like, no, no, you have to have a bottle in your hand. I was like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? What you- I learned the rules that day, too, but... Uh, it was entertaining. I mean, you know, it was some physical activity. I provided the entertainment because I, I can't catch a Frisbee. Apparently. Uh, that oh, was yeah, we did some nice slow-mo videos of <laughs> <laughs> Chad dropping many a Frisbee. Yeah, I called it the patented Chad drop the Frisbee move. <laughs> if I could use two hands, I'd be okay. Uh, well, well that's part of the game. <laughs> yeah, part of the game. We think. We, we, well, none of us really know the rules. We were we just, doing, yeah. yeah, that's what uh, we were doing. So one of the other people we were with said, no, no, these are the rules. And then they had a whole different rule set. So I'm sure it's probably different rules for yeah. all yeah. over the place. But nonetheless, the it was a fun weekend. We had a blast. And I got in 18 games over the three days. That's I think, awesome. I think, Richie, you got in. I got in 21. 21. Yeah, wow. Did pretty good. Yeah. Did you pretty did good. not get stuck in the six-hour game of 18 Chesapeake. <laughs> I did yeah. not. It was not six <laughs> hours, oh. but... Well, yeah. But four and a half. It right? was long. Yeah. Well, it was like three o'clock before we were done. Yeah. And we were up at nine AM. Well, we okay. did not come on now. All right. Well, all right. <laughs> come on. Five and a half. It was uh I thought it was an interesting game, but everybody playing humored me and I appreciated that. I had a good time. No, and well and that was one of the things that we tried to do is we tried to say to everybody what like one or two games are like must games that you would like to play and chad had it wanted to play an 18xx and and i know uh, a couple of guys really wanted to play captain sonar and chad i know you got in on a game of captain sonar or a couple of them was that your first time that that was my first time i used to own the game and i sold it before i ever got it played and i don't think i think after my play of captain sonar which for those who don't know it's a it's a real-time game of battleship essentially where each team has four roles and you have a captain who is calling out directions to move their own ship and you have a uh you have a i think it's like a communications expert and they're listening to what the other team is calling out and trying to track it on a map to track their ship. The first mate is also crossing off different 
uh, slots on different actions, which when they get filled up, they can take an action such as like run silent, which is go really quick in your sub to get away or fire torpedoes or use sonar or different things. And then you have the engineer who every time that you make a move, they have to X out one of those action systems so that when they actually take an action, you have to make sure that none of those are accidentally X'd out. Um, and there are ways to kind of clear that off as you go and stuff like that. But anyway, you're going back and forth and you're trying to sink each other's battleship. It was actually really stressful. And uh, some of the things, you know, I had I played it a few times. It was stressful in that you feel like your team is really dependent on you and you don't want to let them down. And so, but I, I enjoyed it. We, we played a few party games actually that weekend that were kind of fun. Yeah, the the one that uh, I didn't quite like get in on the beginning of it, but I got in on the tail end was a great game of Blockbuster the board game. Yeah, so I had brought that one along, and I, I really enjoy that game. It's it's a typical like movie game that you're playing, kind of time's up-ish. Basically, what you have is you have two phases, and you have big teams, and you have one person that you choose for your team uh, on each team, and they go head-to-head -head at first. So I might draw a card off the top, and we drew one that said, name movies that have robots in them. And so then a buzzer goes off and you have like 15 seconds to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And you keep tapping this timer until somebody gets it wrong or can't name a movie that has robots in it. And then the, the winner of that gets to draw three, no, excuse me, six cards off of a pile that have a bunch of different movies on them. And then they have a parking lot in the center of the board that has acted out, uh, quote it, or one word. And you are choosing three of those six cards to put in those slots for you to get your team to guess. And the other one, uh, you're giving the other three to the other team. And so you're trying to stick them with the harder cards, obviously. But we had some pretty good ones. Uh, we had a really good acting out of uh, Bambi's mom getting killed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he, he nailed that one. That's yeah. for sure. I must have went to sleep at this point. You, you totally I, I must have missed this. I think, yeah. Um, this was like... 4 30 in the morning on friday night or oh something. yeah i was yeah, definitely was, asleep. it was it was late <laughs> there, there was like slow motion replay i because i had drawn for for acted out i had drawn american pie and so uh yeah, so, yeah we'll, that... we'll uh, skip that one for what chad did uh, yeah we also had uh, uh one of the guys had to act out seven like the ending or like seven was what he had to get somebody so right. of course he does the whole like opening up opening the, box the box and, and you know well, like oh no, my god spoiler alert whoa 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 <laughs> hey, well yeah yeah there's got to be a limit on spoiler <laughs> hey by the way uh darth vader's luke's father okay oh oh <laughs> so anyway I, I if if you have a group that really is into movies it's it's a really great game to play because it's a really great combination of of things all at once and it's just it gets raucous and fun and uh then the other game that i was thinking of that we played was first contact and i've talked about that a little bit and cole worley uh recommended it to us it was kind of the the variant on code names where you're kind of creating a language together the aliens and the egyptians and and the aliens are trying to figure out what uh how to tell the egyptians what they need based on the cards out on the table and the and there are symbols and codes going being passed around and, and what would you guys think of it for your first play of it well it was it was it was a little hard when you were first explaining the game for me to kind of wrap my head around i was like and, and i'll be quite honest for the first i was playing one of the aliens and for like the first half to three-fourths of the game i had no idea what the humans were even doing uh like i was i was so trying to figure out what i was doing it was like you know i don't care about what they're doing mm. so that was a little interesting on um 
just you know playing a game that I don't even know what certain people are doing. But it was interesting because you like you said you got a bunch of cards and the humans are basically tapping some cards and trying to get you to a certain word. And if you get that word right, you basically give them then a hieroglyphic symbol and they then write that down on like a, a board that has, you know, their, theirs is all blank where the aliens have all their symbols. And so they're trying to give them that. And then the aliens are then trying to give those symbols to the humans and trying to have them guess what card that they're after. So it was interesting. I mean, it was definitely, I enjoyed it and I would like to try it again. I, yeah, I'm excited to try. I still have, I bought my copy when we had Cole on and at this point in the night, one, it was, I, had, I think I'd played nine games that day. And I was just kind of spent. Yeah. Plus, my stomach hurt from uh, Clef's teach of Vasco da Gama. Oh, <laughs> we got to talk was, about that. Which, yeah, we'll get into that, which was single-handedly hey. his worst teach and his best teach that I've ever sat through. <laughs> I thought we weren't going to talk about that. I thought <laughs> no. that was off oh, yeah, that's right. I thought oh, that's uh, not, we, we had that. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. Suffice it to say that uh, First Contact is one of those games that as soon as you finish, you want to look at each other's stuff. So the aliens grabbed our our things because they actually had to check it anyway because I had marked down a mistake and basically ended up tied with another person. Hey, um, maybe win, so yeah. I was happy about that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but uh, it, it was fun for, for those guys who are the aliens to see, oh my gosh, when we were trying to get them to guess this, they yeah. both thought it was this. You know? Yeah, and I do think uh, Dan was there with us, and he's, I think, made a good suggestion that next time you teach that, show both sides here's what your board looks like and here's what the alien board looks like uh just you know to have that idea at least a little bit of that this is what you're trying to do because i think that was the thing that was kind of made me lose but i definitely if you like code names or decrypto or any of these more thinkier party games i think this one's right up you know a gamer's alley because it's it's more than just those basic games where you really have to figure things out to then try to get the clues. So I, I thought it was really well done. And there's generally a good story to talk through at the end, kind of. So it, it, it's, it was it was enjoyed, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I brought a game that it was it was interesting to see you go through the evolution of playing this oh, game. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's talk about Ride the Rails <laughs> yeah. from Capstone. Um, I was excited to play this game. So Ride the Rails, you know, obviously uh, Iris Gage, you know, a game that I really enjoy. It's a little bit lighter of a train game, but I still enjoy it. It's a, it's a good pull out and especially when you got four or five it's it's really solid uh you know with stocks and trains and so i was excited to play ride the rails so chad setting it up you know and yeah I, well I, what it was two in the morning or something i don't know it was late again it was yeah late, it's, you know? <laughs> i don't know why you just do not want to sleep well you're on the way you, no. you got all the time you don't have your wife hollering at you come to bed you're like hey let's play games oh so yeah so we started playing ride the rails chad set it up and he starts explaining the rules and he's like okay in the first phase you basically are going to choose a train out of the pool and put it on your board. Okay? Because that's then, stock. Okay, so sure. Okay, that's your stock. Okay? The second move you're going to do is you are going to place out trains, like seven to eight, depending on if you're going over mountains or not. Okay? No cost or anything. Just put out the trains and just move them. If your train hits a certain spot, you might get a little bump in income or something. You know, if it hits a certain city like St. Louis or something. Okay? And then... The third thing you're going to do is you're basically going to take these passengers that are on the board and they're going to move along your rail. And then you're going to just pay out dividends for them for uh, whoever has that color of stock that they rode on. You're going to get some certain money. You get a little bit more money if you're the one that's kind of doing the action. But, you know, if somebody else has uh, that color also, they're going to make some money too. And that was it. 
And I was at like, I was like, where's the rest of the game? Uh, I really was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, this is this is it. Well, and in my defense, mm-hmm. I mean, you were thinking that, but you really didn't say well, it because at one point I set out an example and you were totally asleep and your eyes popped open and you're like, what, well, is it my turn? What? <laughs> I, I can neither confirm nor deny that. Um, but back to the game. But I said, I mean, I think I said during the play, I was like, wow, this is it. But then I said, but okay, I'm going to continue to play it because it's not very fair to play a game for, you know, three turns or whatever before you're trying to make a judgment. And as the game went on, it did get a little bit more, you know, there was a little bit of meat on the bone. We're like, okay, well, if I do this, and sure, there was probably like five rules that I had didn't know either because I didn't listen. But, <laughs> um, you know, if you started to figure out there was a little bit of, you know, okay, well, I don't necessarily want to always use up all these trains this way, or, you know, maybe somebody else has more stock in orange. So maybe I don't want orange to, you know, make it to the other side of the, uh, you know, the west side, you know, go east to west on on the U.S. So it did have a little bit of meat on the bones. Uh, Is it a light game? Absolutely. I mean, it's a very light train game, but I think it kind of fills a slot where, you know, you're two o'clock in the morning and you, you know, don't have the brain power to play, you know, the greatest game of all of ages team. And so you got, uh, you know, you got a little, um, you know, it's a late night, easier type of thing, but yet still has a little meat on the bones. So I've. I enjoyed it. I think I, I would like to play it again. Yeah, I definitely want to play it again because, like we said, it was late, and I and I was once again I was spent once we got to to that point. And I remember it's only like one sheet of rules, right? It's yeah. Very, and but I was like, he is still talking, and I am. Clef is dozing to my right, yeah. and that's making me tired. And I'm like, we just gotta get, we just gotta go, we just gotta play. One of the reasons I was still talking is because instead of instead of actually poking clef awake i was hoping that i would be like and then you place a train (laughs) (laughs) trying to talk louder Uh, but it it seems interesting i think now that we actually you know know the right what's going on sure it would be way more interesting and our routes will be more interesting as far as where where we take our trains i agree yep Uh, definitely one that i want to get back to the table yeah I, I enjoyed it. And it has extra maps, right? Doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I got the France and Germany expansion map, which I haven't even opened oh, yet. So. That's oh, that's cool. nice. Always good to have more maps. Yep. That's really good. All right. Okay, so that's all for recent nope, plays. Hey, hey, nope, hey, hey. nope. Richie's going to talk about yeah, Vasco. We got, to, we got to play a little Vasco da Gama, which I've been oh. I've been waiting to play this since we first played Arkwright. Yeah. That's, what, that's how long ago you were supposed to teach that game. Wow. That's right. Wow. That's right. I might have been better back then. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't. I don't know. Paolo Mori was the designer of this one, so I was excited to to play it as well. Yeah, because I like Libertalia, and what else? He does. He, he also did uh, Ethnos. Yeah, and I really like Ethnos and Blitzkrieg as well. just most recently, which is that two player sort of war card game, kind of like in the vein of Watergate and some of those other ones. Yeah, and so then after we got done, we we had just played I think Pan Am, which we're going to be reviewing this episode. And Clef, we were kind of just sitting around trying to think of a game to play. And Clef was like, you know what? Go grab uh, Vasco, Chad. He's like, now I'm going to warn you. I did warn. He did warn. I, I will give him this. His warning probably wasn't as thorough as it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> he said, it's been a little bit since I played it. I think we discovered two years Yeah, was how long it had been. At least, yeah. So I'll have to look at the, the rules a little bit when I teach it, but we'll get through it. Right. And then uh, Chad and I... Proceeded to watch Clef read the rule book <laughs> directly <laughs> to us. <laughs> I mean, part of it was quietly to himself. <laughs> yeah. And Chad would be trying to ask questions. He's just saying, 
Uh, I tell you, I apologize because (laughs) I hate teaching a game, having to read the rule book. And I really felt bad. Now, granted, this was after playing the Frisbee game. So I was about dead from that physical exertion that I had to go out and throw the Frisbee. (laughs) Not, Not to mention there were a few beverages afterwards, too. It was not a good moment for me to teach a game. No, we got, probably, through it. we got through it. Yeah. Like I said, my stomach hurt so bad after that teach. Half the time I was laughing hard because I don't think I'd ever seen Richie laugh that hard. But, 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 but do you but, guys know how to do the first action? Well, yes. Yes, I knew. Richie I do know the first action. After I looked at each other and busted out the third time. You said, "Okay, okay." So the first action. Oh my god. Uh, so hilarious. what did you think of Vasco da Gama? I really enjoyed it. it it's a uh, worker placement game, and there's two phases to the game. There And there, the game's played over five rounds, and there's two phases in each game. First, you're placing your actions, and then you're resolving your actions. And then I think there's four actions total on the board. There's the projects, which, were, which are basically like order fulfillment, and those uh-huh. will become your ships that you'll uh, later go on expeditions with. Uh, then there's the recruiting, where you're going to be recruiting sailors, uh, which you need to fulfill uh, for the projects. And then there are the characters, which will give you... Uh, actually, the really cool thing in this game is that there are these different special characters that will give you uh, different benefits throughout the game. Some of them just give you points. Some of them give you extra sailors uh, that are a different color than the ones that are actually available. Different things like that. And that's also a spot where you can go just to get cash, because cash is pretty tight in this game. And then the uh, last spot is where you would actually send your ships on the expedition. So there's uh, on the left side of the board, there's uh, several different rows that have numbers on them. And those are what they call the navigation limit. And depending on the ship that you got uh, during that first action, it lets you know where you can go on that space. And the reason that you may want to go to a certain space uh, compared to another one is one, uh, each row will give you a number of points plus a bonus. And when the expedition, when that row is complete, then it will go on, all the ships in that row will go on an expedition. But they can only move up if there's space for them, and that will all depend on their their navigation limit. So uh, if someone goes to a space that is a four and their ship's a seven, then obviously they're they're trying to block out someone who has a lower navigation limit and try to get their pieces off the board. Now, the great part about this mechanism is that uh, basically when we got to it, Clef was like, ah, oh, I always had to have Corey show me how this pl- this part works. I'm never, I'm never sure of that. Corey, so got called o- Corey got called over a few times. He did. He did several times. And uh, I think the first two times were to tell me that my ship didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. Clef, did, Clef was not able to explain to me uh, in their own, just basically like, oh, yeah, nope, you, your ship got, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but maybe a reason I've never won the game. (laughs) (laughs) But the part that I really like in this game is when you're setting out your your action markers, you have to take one of these. What are they? Time disc or what were they? What are those called? Those little Uh, numbered discs. Yeah, I I guess you would call them kind of a a sequence type. Sequence, yeah. Yeah. So, but they go from one to. 20 on the main board and then there's 21 and 22 that are available through one of the special characters uh, but when you take that there's this little white pawn that will show you it, it starts off at a random spot on the board uh, based on during setup but it will show you possibly the actions that will be free so everything that's past that that number or past that pawn will be a free action and everything before it you'll have to pay a coin for every spot behind the the action pawn that it is right 
this will move right when you go to resolve the action pawn. So you don't exactly know what uh, actions are going to be free and which ones you're going to have to pay for. So there's a little bit of, you know, push your luck in that that aspect uh -huh. of it. But yeah, that, that was kind of one of my favorite parts of it because you really need to plan. And you like I said, money is tight. So you if you were planning on a free action and now all of a sudden he moves three spaces and then you uh -huh. got to pay three coins, you're, you might be screwed. Yeah, there were, there were many a times that game where all of us just had to be like, I can't even take that action. You just, yeah, you, you, just can, you can money. get some coins, yeah, yeah, if you don't take an action. And that's unusual for a game. Usually in a game like that, you can mitigate it pretty easy, but that game, it's like, Psh, I can't afford that. I can't even do it. Type of well, thing. three was about the most that it moves, right? Is that the most it can move I around? Think so. or there, I th yeah, yeah, I think it moves uh, something like that. And it could possibly go backwards as well. So yeah. you, it could end up working out well for you. Our game was unusual in the fact that it started kind of high, and then we kept getting the ones that moved it up. So we were, I think, what we were up to like eleven or twelve or something on the on the charter. Oh, at yeah, least, we got, yeah. at least maybe that. it was even higher than that. Yeah, where yeah, you know, I've had some games where it just started low and kind of went down, and those games aren't necessarily as interesting because then it's almost like okay, you're just grabbing the numbers; it doesn't even matter right. because you can pay for it all. Where that game, it was really interesting. You couldn't. You know, like, yeah, there was points where grabbing the nine was, like, scary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that, yeah, that's the nine. But I, but I enjoyed it. Even after that, I mean, that teach was, <laughs> oh, that was rough. And it was long. It was a long teach. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe 45 minutes uh, to an hour for yeah. only explaining four actions. <laughs> well, you got the first one three times, so that yes, was part yes, of it. That's true. <laughs> oh, all right, guys. All right. All right. <laughs> well, you know, I'd consider playing it again. I, I, I will take that as a, I'm a usually a pretty good teacher, and so this was yeah, a, that's true. Uh, an anomaly this is, here. This so. is a compliment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was really glad that uh, that our friends called us out and and we got to do that with that that group because it was a nice small group of guys and we really had a good weekend. It was before we move on past this weekend. I think the one thing I'll tell you guys there was a point where I think it was on Saturday I'd got done eating dinner <laughs> and I like like had the meat sweats. I mean oh, I yeah. was so there was so much food. I can't even begin to tell you. It was like it, it was a all gluttony good. of food. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. It was amazing, and but I and it was amazing. Like dinner had that night had like like taquitos and enchiladas and tacos, tacos and soft and, tacos yeah, was, and and this and that. And I'm like, well, I got to eat it all. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Uh, so a call, uh, you know, shout out to. Uh, Corey was kind of our cook for the weekend, and oh my goodness, he just he made it's some fantastic. Yes, I, yeah, thank you, Corey, because we yeah. we were not allowed to thank him there. Yeah, so no, thank you, we, Corey. That's right. We were, he said, <laughs> we were "Don't thank me. I'll just assume you like it if you don't say anything. <laughs> Tell me if it's crap." So right now, I'm telling you, Corey, thank you. Too no, bad you can't stop me here, huh? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right. Well, shall we do a little mailbag? Let's do mailbag. Yeah. All right, so our mailbag question today is actually coming from our Slack channel, and this is Scott, and he put in, uh, with playing so many online games recently, has your opinion changed on a game you liked slash disliked previously? Have you discovered any new games that you hadn't played in physical form before playing online? Well, I kind of talked about this already, but I was talking about uh, Toby Mouse 18xx games, and I played 1889 
uh, for the first time on that system. And it was great. It was great. I feel like I could play that game easily now. And I have played on the, on that system, 18 Chesapeake since then. Uh, another one that I wanted to talk about that I actually like better and, and you like better too online is Hawaii. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. It, definitely. It is, can be a really fiddly game to set up and drop those chits on the board every single round and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's still an enjoyable game, and so to play it online, I think is is really the best. Is that on uh, BGA? Uh, yeah, it's both on BGA and Yukata, and that is one that I recently got rid of the physical game, just because if I'm going to play it, I would rather play it online. Because yeah, that the the setup every round of those numbers is just super fiddly. Yeah, and it, but nonetheless, it's a good game. So yeah, great that's game. one that I would uh, recommend checking out online, and I, I like the the online version better actually. Well, I know for myself, I just played a few games of Teotihuacan and I got to do a, a another look Uh-oh. back again. <laughs> it's, Uh-oh, it's, it's dropping. It's dropping. It's dropping. It's not that interesting. Now, I would still, like I said, I, I had been waiting for to play the expansions and they do not have the expansions on uh, Board Game Arena, but the base game has dropped for me after playing it online a few times now because I played about four games here recently and it's just gets a little samey and a little boring over time, so... I'm in a couple of games right now, and every time I take my turn, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just moving my dice over there, yeah. you know? And don't get me wrong, I'm not doing very well. I think I'm getting crushed in both games I'm playing, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's funny. That's that's funny that we're kind of in that same feeling. I wonder, as you know, as our games change, you know, taste change over time, I wonder if that's just one of those that just kind of... But yet, uh, you know, I know Edward from Heavy Cardboard, I mean, that's in his top 50, which... You know, it's always a surprise. He recognizes, though, that it's not for everyone. I mean, when he has put it there, he's couched the fact that, you know, his his ratings on it have kind of wavered and he, you know, he sees the problems that people see in it. So it might just be one of those that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, So like I said, I I will still try the expansions if I get a chance on the physical form, but I'm not itching to get it back to the table. And that's because I played it online. Uh Well, I definitely I mean, I I do not like. I will not play a game online that I don't know how to play. I, I know, Richie, you're just, you know, hop in and push some buttons or whatever. Oh, well, Jason uh, uh, sent me a few invites, one to Zolkin, and I, I think I currently have negative five points in that game. <laughs> yes, you do. Because <laughs> uh, I have not reread the rules, and I, I said I was going to, but I didn't. <laughs> kind of setting down workers and picking them up and, you know, yeah. negative five points. Yeah, I don't. I, I remember... Uh, this was quite a while ago, but I remember we played a game of Trois online, and I remember just not even knowing the rules at all, remembering <laughs> anything about it, and it just deter. But I, I'm not a big person of you know. Different. I like to play games that I know. Now I will say, probably here of late, the game that I'm the most like excited to always play, and I'm still in, in like two, maybe three games of it online that I think is amazing, is Lagranha. I think they did an amazing job with the interface of that. Um, the only thing, and Richie and I were talking about this, I wish there was some sort of button that you could push on your turn to say you will pass up any of your anytime actions until yeah. your next <laughs> you know, official action because a lot of times you'll, that will pop up and all it will be is, you know, do you want to do any anytime actions? And you got to hit pass before it can go on to the next person. So I wish there was that interface, but otherwise – it's great. They do a really good job. It's it's just really well done. Um, and that, for me, not only is it 
you know, I, I've enjoyed playing it, but that's made me want to try to get that back to the table a little bit more because mm-hmm. it's certainly a game that I love. Thanks, Scott, for that question. And if anyone else has any questions, uh, like I said, this one came from Slack, so you can join our Slack channel by sending an email to punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can also send any questions that you have there as well uh, or join our guild at guild3227, and you can throw a question in the forum. And now it's time for Kickstarter Corner. <laughs> Hey, by the way, can I just tell you, my for Father's Day, my uh, son and my wife recorded a podcast for me, Top 10 Reasons Why I'm the Greatest Dad. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> cool. and, and they did it with the, uh, with the uh, Spanish fly theme. <laughs> <laughs> you so, can't have enough of that in your that's life. That's right. That's right. I loved it. It was, it was fantastic. I have it, have it on my phone. But... Today, what we wanted to kind of highlight is not really a Kickstarter per se. It is a pre-order. It is a Spielworks game that is going to be coming out, and you can pre-order it through BGG. It is from Armando Canales, and uh, I should say some of our some of my uh, friends have have play tested it as well. Brian Willicutt and some of those gentlemen but it's really interesting it's it's up our alley it's a uh, it's an economic board game that that puts you basically in the role of a, a, co- a company that uh, is in asbestos around the world and so you're basically trying to um, diversify into kind of roles such as like mining refining shipping basically and just like most economic games if you have the most money you win at the end but <clears throat> excuse me but basically you are playing each round by selecting a country and then you're executing actions within that country. So based on what country you pick, certain events will trigger to its economy and then you're going to draft three actions during the round that that are available in that country. And then you can convert your money into resources and, and victory points and that kind of thing. And each country has its own conversion rate for those, which is really kind of interesting as well. So then, of course, there's some resource management, of like, you know, with with the uh, raw asbestos and the refineries and all that kind of stuff. And then you can have chances to invest in your own company and make money that way. And, you know, basically, you can also end the game, or at least I think it looks like you can end your game early by being shut down by safety, uh, safety companies or, you know, OSHA or something like that, I would suppose. But uh, it looks really interesting. And it's got a lot, a lot of the mechanisms that we usually enjoy as a group. I believe there's definitely some auctions in there. Like I spoke of, there's drafting. Uh, as far as I even understood it, there's almost some route building as well. So all that kind of stuff sounds like a really good mix and something that might be really up our alley. So I definitely, I know uh, getting Spielworks games over here because of the small print run can be pricey but i definitely recommend at least looking into this one well i'm always excited to try anything spielworks and i'm glad that because board game geeks are doing most of their pre-orders right right yeah so this is something that no cluff is i think going to pick up and i am glad to hear that right yeah all right i'll do it (laughs) (laughs) all right well shall we now get to our featured review of pan am let's do it Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought we were going to play three-player Fields of Arl. We are. I'm just finishing setting it up right now. Cliff, this box is a mess. 
Yeah, that's why we decided beforehand what we're going to play, so it could already be set up. Yeah, this is going to take forever. If you at least had some organizers in there. Yeah, I don't know what you have against inserts. Chad and I love them. Yeah, I know you guys love them, but I, I hold on. I just need to finish getting these baggies open. No, what you need is an insert. Richie, did you bring anything? Yep, I brought Marco Polo with the insert from 3D Bitspace. There, look, it's already set up. All right, let's play. Hey, where'd you get those cool magnetic bit trays? They're so cool, they're locking together. They're from 3D Bitspace too. Here's Ryan's Etsy page, you can get some too. I guess I better do that. Great, maybe next time we can play Fields of Arl. So last week I was listening to the, uh, the Dice Tower and Tom was talking about this new game called Pan Am and talking about how it had some stocks in it and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, sounds kind of interesting. And then on our Slack channel, uh, Evan was talking about this game and said, you know, sounds kind of neat. Have you guys heard of this? And of course I, at this point I'm like, kind of piqued my interest and I'm like, okay, I'll check into it. And I found out that this game was at target. So this is kind of like a hot off the presses type of thing. Um, now we were planning on doing Democker as the review today. But unfortunately, just with, uh, you know, with our lives and busyness, we did not get enough plays. And, and quite honestly, we didn't get, you guys didn't get in a five-player game of it yet. And I quite honestly say that's an essential, you must play that at five players before I feel like a review is is warranted. I just don't think we would have given a very uh, good review on that. So that's still coming. Uh, so anybody who's really looking forward to that one, you know, stay tuned. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, but we kind of had this call kind of fall into our laps. And so without further ado, Chad, tell us a little bit about Pan Am and how we play it. Pan Am is a two to four player, 60 minute game, according to the box, from Funcoverse and the designer collective Prospero Hall. In this game, players will take the role of small airplane companies that are trying to get routes that they want to be bought up basically by Pan Am in order to get stock in Pan Am essentially. And the player with the most stock in Pan Am wins the game. So there are seven rounds to this game and you are placing your engineers, which are essentially worker pawns on different spots on the board to take actions. Some of these spots are get planes to put in your hangar. Some of them are airports. Some of them are destination cards, which you need to have in order to build out routes. There are also, in addition to allowing you to go before the first player that round, also give you certain ways to break the rules of the game. And otherwise, in other words, pay less to get an airport or move ahead of somebody on the auction track. Because some of these spaces will also allow you to uh, bid for the action that you want. So in other words, we just talked about airports. Well, the first spot on the bottom is $3. So I might go there to take an airport action. But then Clef can decide he wants it and he can place his worker pawn at $5, thus kicking me off the $3 spot. And we can bid back and forth up to $9, which is the stopping point for that action. So there is a little bit of tug and pull back and forth on each of these, on most of these actions for taking it and, and bidding on it because you do have money in the game, which allows you to buy a certain amount of stock each round that comes to the event phase, which is turned up every round. And in the event phase, 
the stock will either go up or down. So that is basically why you are each turn deciding if you want to spend your money now and uh, take up as much stock as you can or save it for later in case stock will go down or you need that money for something else the next round. That is essentially the game. It's played over seven rounds. And uh, like I said, the player with the most Pan Am stock at the end wins the game. All right. Thank you, Chad. Excellent. Excellent review there. Um, so we all start off and let's do it again here with a little bit of art and components. So, Richie, what do you think of the art and components with this? I re- actually really like the art on the, the box. It, it, it's striking, as, or not necessarily on the box, but on the actual game board itself. It's pretty striking. It's kind of this uh, weird global map that's kind of stretches so you can get everything on there. But, yeah, I think they did a fantastic job with that. And there's a lot of routes on the board, and they made it colorblind friendly by putting different symbols and all of that. So I think they did a really good job uh, with the art of the game. The components are fine, especially for, what's the game, 35 bucks. Roughly mm-hmm. at, at yeah, Target. Yeah, $35 a Target. Yeah, yeah this so, is a Target exclusive. So. Yeah. so for that price, I would say that the, the components in art are fantastic. Right. I mean, you have little plastic planes. Each each one is bigger because you have different planes that can go on different routes. So you might have your little uh, tri-motor plane or your clipper plane that'll do one or two routes. And then you have your huge jet that'll go over a four, uh, a four route and get you more income and stuff like that. So I, I I like the art style. It was very evocative of like the eh, 40s, 50s, 60s, sort of like textbook, you know, stuff you might find in a in a textbook of that era. And um, yeah, I, I thought it was nice. And and there is a definite color scheme to it, but it's not drab either. So uh, I enjoyed it. What do you think, Clef? Um, I it was it was neat. Um, you know, I obviously. Extra components don't necessarily always mean a lot to me, but it was nice to be able to put those planes out there. And I like how they start off small and get bigger for the bigger planes. That was kind of cool. Um, I had one minor thing that um, actually this didn't really come up for us, which I'm surprised. But when I played the three player game the other night, uh, at least the lighting we were in, it's an odd color choice that they chose the gray in that kind of I don't know what you'd call it, the kind of lighter uh, green or lighter whatever it is. Green, yeah. yeah, that almost they're, light army green. Yeah, they're very similar. And if you're kind of at the wrong angle, you can't even quite tell the difference in those two colors, which I'm not sure why they went with those colors, because they could have went with any colors, because there's no other anything else that makes a difference. Uh, so I was a little surprised that those colors are quite the same. I mean, they could have made just a bright green and it would have been completely different. But I, I'm guessing maybe that's the color palette that they were going for. But that's one minor little thing there just to watch out for when you're playing the game. But otherwise, yeah, top notch. I mean, for especially for the price point, I mean, pretty darn good. That's for sure. Right. I thought the rule book was actually pretty good and easy to uh, to suss out as well. They were pretty clear on all that. So I was I was impressed how they laid the rule book out. Again, this is a Target exclusive, so you're you're expecting people that aren't as familiar with games to pick this one up. You know, the Prospero Hall has done the Funko Pop game and and they've done uh, Villainous um, you know, some of those, I think they did, uh, horrified as well. So a lot of light, you know, lighter games, at least not, not a heavy game. And, the, and they did a good job with the rule book, making it clear for somebody who doesn't play a lot of games. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Cause I mean, I would say then just, I mean, we can kind of go into the actual gameplay here shortly, but I mean, this would definitely be like kind of a gateway plus, I mean, it's definitely a little bit lighter of a game than what maybe we're normally playing. But this is 
a, a game that if somebody was like really loving Ticket to Ride or you know Catan, this could be like a little bit of a next step of oh okay, well you like those games. Well, let me show you something that's going to have you a little more thought process in the game, um, yet still be you know easily understood. You know. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. It's I mean it, it, it's Gateway Plus, but I think it's still closer to that Gateway as well. Okay. I don't. Just because there's not that many moving pieces, and once you I mean, once you learn the game, it, it's pretty easy, and the it's very procedural as far as you go through the steps each round. Like you're not going to get confused on that, and, and like I said, it's at Target, so I think it, it is something that someone can go in there, pick it up off the shelf, and they can figure it out. Well, okay, right. hold on. Are you teaching mom and dad Turner this game? They play card games only. So I, but like uh, Forrestead's mom. And his- well, yeah, but she plays <laughs> Feld and you know, yeah, Side and stuff like that. <laughs> so, I, I would say, he, here's what I would say: I, I, I agree. That, I personally agree that it's Gateway Plus because I would say it's not just worker placement; it's that bidding and stuff. So there's that added thing of not only do I want the spot, but how much is it worth to me, and how much do I need to figure out? You know, you learn it as you go through, but for a first time play, it's a little bit tougher, I think, to to suss that out. I mean, maybe it's just. Do you want that spot more than the other person? This is the next price. Next like, it's not like it's blind up. bidding. It's not you, like you don't. You know, there's not like hidden information that you you need to know yeah. to make a smart bid. It's well. Do you want this spot now? You may make a terrible choice, but it's do you want the spot more than them? Then put your right. pawn here. And I agree with that. But the main mechanism of this game, or at least, uh, well, besides worker placement, but is buying of the stock, which to me. That's an unusual thing for a game. I mean, it's most of the time when you start to s- explain a game, it's most person with most victory points wins. And so it's very unusual to say, hey, the person with the most stock wins. And I think that's where it makes the plus to me, in my opinion, is you get to the end of the round and it's now, now you have to choose whether you want, how much stock you want to buy. And if you buy too little and the stock price rises, well, then you're paying more money and you're probably going to lose. But if you pay get too much, you're not going to have enough liquid cash to do some of those actions that will continue to, you know, drive you. And that's where I think the plus comes in. The worker placement part, I agree with you. That's very simple, very basic. I mean, I still thought it was intriguing, and especially in a four-player game, I thought it was very good where you were limited in the pawns. You know, it made it a good game. We'll go into player count later. But um, but I think the part where you have to decide how much stock to buy, I think that's what makes it the plus to me. So we didn't talk about this in the in the rules overview, but when you place out a plane on a route or even an airport, it bumps up your income, right? And you can't have your airports bought back, but you can have your plane routes bought back, which you kind of want to do. So placing your plane on a certain route, because the, the routes from Pan Am generally grow out from Miami. So you can see which ones you want to try to place on and get those bought out, because generally you want to be bought out because it gives you a larger sum of money. But just kind of trying to figure out, well, do I need do I need to keep that on longer? Do I need that income for the next round? Do I need to buy out this choice or should I buy out the other, you know, should I have Pan Am buy out this one? Cause there is a, a roll of the die when you, when you have that expansion phase from Pan Am, you roll the die and it tells you which route it's going to build on, or it gives you the Pan Am symbol and you can try to sell any route to Pan Am. So 
there's there's some of those decisions with that too, kind of balancing your income for your actual money and then that extra conversion to stock at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So that is an interesting thing too. The other thing I would say is we've talked about cube rails. I think this is almost like a cube rail game in that way that that you you know you're building out routes. There's even a little bit added, you know, a, a bit of added complexity onto that. Sure. You know, in the actual mechanisms and stuff that you're doing. But it's that kind of thinkiness, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. It It is interesting. My only worry with this game, and I guess it's we'll get more into this when we get into replayability and stuff like that. It, it is, obviously, you're, you're going to be starting in Miami and the routes going to be building out from there. So I don't know if I can get like five, ten plays into this without that becoming, my moves becoming scripted. That's my, my biggest concern with the gameplay is that eventually that it's going to become scripted because of that. Mm-hmm. Well, interestingly enough, and you didn't really look at the rule book, but there's an alternate rule in the rule book that after you play the game a few times, you can play in an alternate timeline where Pan Am is fo- founded in Rome instead of Miami. So, okay. I mean, it, I mean, it's I mean, not it's, that different, I'm, I'm but no. I'm not sure that that's really <laughs> going to I don't know if that's going to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you're going to be able to adapt to that just having that mm. knowledge. Uh, because, I mean, Chad, you were kind of hitting on the gameplay. I mean, one of the key things in this game is trying to put your planes in the path of where the expansion is going to come. You want your planes for the most part. I mean, there can be a there can be a couple of times where those events might say your income is doubled this round or something, and maybe it's more beneficial not to. But for the most part in this game, you want to have your planes overtaken. Not only do you get a large sum of money immediately, but you also get your plane back so that you can then place it out again. So you're trying, you know, I know the first game we were kind of all over the board. I know by the second game, I knew it was best to try to build as close to Miami as possible, whichever way you go, whether you went the European way or the Asia way or the Spain way, I don't remember, whatever they were called, you know, the different routes, just so that you could start to get your planes overtaken by the, you know, the Pan Am and you'd get that money. So I think it was a very quick, you know, once you understood, here's kind of how you play the game then that's how you kind of went after it. So Right, especially early, because, I mean, the stock price is going to be lower early. Mm-hmm. So if you can get a little bit of cash in your pockets to buy some cheap stocks early on, yep. that, that's big in that game. I think in most of our games, it was one share difference between first and second, for the most part. The, the scores are pretty tight. In our four-player game, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we, there's, Chad was talking about these directive cards that are, they're, they're fun little cards. I mean, when you go to the spot, uh, when it resolves, you get a card, and they can do different things like get three dollars and look at the next event, which can be obviously can be very huge. Uh, can say uh, have one of your bidding spaces you don't have to pay any money for, or maybe you pay four dollars less for a plane. You know, different things. They're very good cards. But there's one that says at the end of the game, get yourself a free stock. Yes, which makes that spot extremely important to go to. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, every round I would say if you can. Very important if you can. Um, and of course in our first game, you know, Richie went down there just randomly and was like, well, we'll give it a shot. I don't know if anything's going to be good. And he pulled one of those cards and that's what made you win. I mean, I, I think you might've still had me on tiebreaker. I can't remember, but no, we had the same, I think money is tight and we had the same amount of money. So yeah, no, that, that won me the game getting that, that, uh, directive card. It's yeah. So, so we had talked about this. I would, I would be interested in, in asking you guys. So luck of the draw can certainly be a factor right so you you go to that spot and mm-hmm. and i draw three free stock cards during the course of the game and you draw one 
you know, that that makes a difference and that's just what I drew. Does that bother you guys? Not for this game, no. I mean, not for what it is. Yeah, not for this weight. And I mean, we and I would just tell everyone there's eight of these cards yeah. in the deck just so that everyone's aware of that at the beginning of the game. So it, it, it's definitely an important spot to go to. You may get lucky and score a point. Yeah, because quite honestly, the 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 cards are all very powerful. You know, they're yeah. Most, I mean, there might be one or two that I think yeah, they're okay. I would say there's only but, like one, the one that lets you clear the destinations and take yeah. the coins because there's not always coins up there. Yeah, very. That's few the only ones. one that I felt was weak was compared right. to the rest of them. But the yeah. rest of them are pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, like the last game I played, the three player game. At the end of the game, we all had two. Like every one of us had two yeah. free stocks, so yeah. it was like a complete wash. It didn't even make any difference. It generally feels like it kind of balances out, and like you just said, it's not like, for example, base viticulture, the the base game when it first came out, where you could get some of those summer or winter cards, and they wouldn't be where you were at, and it was a, not even a useful mm. card to you. Every card you can use if you know what phase to use it in, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, I think you're right there. It, it didn't it didn't really bother me at all either. Yeah. There's a little bit of a fun stockpile element with some of those cards there too, because you get to see the next event and know what the stock price is going to do. And then there, that plays into turn order too, because people are watching you and trying to see, you know, if you go before them, what you're going to do. Well, I was playing the last game I played was a three player game with my wife and uh, our, our friend Jake. And we were about to go into the seventh round and Jake was first, player so he had first option to buy stock and my wife had got to look at the event card right i had forgotten that she looked at it and jake bought a bunch of stock and then i bought a bunch of stock and then it comes my wife and she goes i pass and i go i've shown you an event <laughs> card in the round seven that makes it go up to eleven dollars you know i'm like are you sure you want to pass and she kind of smiles and right at that moment i go oh yeah you've seen the event card uh-oh <laughs> and of course what happens the stock price drops and it was like such perfect i mean it was perfect timing for her to have that just at that right moment to not only you know both of jake and i had to buy stock because we didn't know then she got to pass and she ends up win. she ended up winning the game she had i think one or two more stock than us at the end of the game so yeah so that's mm -hmm. can be really uh, a gamery kind of thing you know it can mm -hmm. be a yeah. really good move right there yeah uh chad you got in a two-player game and i got a three-player game and obviously we got in quite a few four-player games mm -hmm. right uh so let, let's talk about the four-player game first okay so okay. In the four-player game, and there's really one main difference between all these player counts, and that's the number of engineers that you have to start the game off. Well, I shouldn't even say start the game off with. Number of engineers you have in the game, period. And in a four-player game, you have three engineers. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like that was just like almost a perfect amount because it was very tight. It made me really... You know, oh, do I want to go get that car? Do I need to get that airplane? You know, it was really a tough decision of what you were doing. Uh, would you guys kind of agree with that? Well, yes, because you're talking about those that, those directive spaces. And so we know those cards are valuable. So every round, almost always, you're saying, okay, I'm, I'm probably going to go to that directive spot. And then what other two actions am I going to decide to do? Plus, you want to place it so that, because it sucks when all of a sudden, you look down, you thought you've placed all your pieces, and also you look down and a piece has been thrown back at you. And now all of the spaces are, all the good spaces are, are, are taken. Yeah. <laughs> so now, so yeah, not only do you, does it feel tight with just those three pawns, it's, it's important that you're bidding correctly out there to make sure that you lock down the spaces that you need. Right, and that's much more important in four, right? Because you get kicked out and then three other players get to go around before you right. get your pawn again. Yeah. Or but two I, others, excuse me. 
but I even there was a couple of times where like if if a couple of people had directives early and you were like last player and if you got kicked out like once or something, sometimes you'd be having two pawns or two engineers and everybody else would be done. Yeah. And that was sometimes could be good too because all of a sudden you'd look up and nobody would be at the airport. You mm-hmm. could go get a $3 airport or you could go get like a cheap plane. You know, So sometimes there were advantages and sometimes it just sucked bad. You're just yeah. like, okay, I literally am just almost wasting this engineer because I have nothing good to do with it. Yeah, I, I thought that was great. So, okay, so four, we all agree. I mean, hands down, best player count, right? I would, yeah. I would think we yeah, would absolutely. say. Absolutely. So at three... The one thing that changes is now each person gets an extra engineer. I'm not sure why. Uh, I mean, I obviously I haven't played this game maybe uh, enough to really understand, but I don't understand why you get another engineer because now the game started to feel a little bit more relaxed. I had more pawns to do what I wanted, and yet I still, you know, when I got pawns back, I still had plenty of options because they don't block any spaces off or anything. Mm. And then, Chad, going down to two, you already commented before we got on the air here, you felt like you could just do whatever you wanted to. Yeah, there, then you have five five yeah. engineers total, and it feels like it feels like some of those games where you're just flooded with resources, and it's not tight anymore at all, and you can kind of get whatever you want, hmm. and all of a sudden, directives are still important cards, but turn order doesn't matter as much because you only got that one other person to vie for it sometimes. And you just have so many cards that you could have because I didn't see anywhere in here, and I could be wrong, but I didn't see that there's a a limit on on um, destination cards. So you, yeah. then you got so many cards that you can just pick from routes, and yeah, there are definite spaces that are better than others, but you just don't feel like you're clawing at each other because we'd go, and a lot of times we'd go to the zero spot, you know, because we had we had colors, right, and so you know, because yeah. there are different ways that you can lock down these landing rights for destinations. If you're in the same color region, you can just discard a card of that color but if you have the exact city of that region then you get to keep it and and play it for future for future cards as well but anyway it just it it, yeah it felt like a lot of the tension was out of it at two player so so, i mean i get the question i mean why do they give you more engineers for less players are they just thinking that well i think it's bumping maybe or i think it's just going to come down to the weight of the game it's a lighter it's meant to be a lighter game it's supposed yeah. to be fun not necessarily you know cutthroat so like taking away spaces would be the fix i would imagine but you know obviously if you if people can't do anything on their turn because you've been completely blocked out then that's not and what this is not really a game for. that is an, a target exclusive yeah yeah so maybe what i would consider obviously is that you you block off some of those auction spaces that are lower prices because you can you can make more there's a potential to make more money i felt like too because you have more resources at least if you're playing well I, I i don't know again i haven't played enough times to figure out what that fix would be or if you could just take away and just have the three huh. you know the three pawns i'm not uh, sure but i just i just find that really interesting on how different that game feels uh with player count that's just a unusual thing i mean usually player you know, not always. I mean, sometimes Euro games are, are like that, but this game, it really feels like a different game, and that's that's interesting. So, Okay, so last thing I guess we really want to talk about, replayability or variability. So, Richie, I'll let you start. You kind of you know hit on this already a little bit. Yeah, and, and like I said, I'm just real worried about replayability on this game because it's going to start in the same spot, and obviously you can switch it between uh, Miami and Rome, but you still, you only have two spots that you're going to be spreading from each time. And... 
the actions are the actions are what the actions are. You're, you're going to be getting airports, you can be getting destinations, uh, the, the directive cards, and then the uh, different planes. And as far as the events go, I think there's four for each round. Uh-huh. And I, we already looked at them. And so, I mean, every round, 50% of the time, it's going to go up. Yeah. And then uh, 25% of the time, it will go to a certain number. And then the other 25% of the time, it will go down. So once you know all that, it's I'm a little worried about the replayability over the long haul. Okay. So do you don't feel like there's very much in it? No, I would say low. Well, I, would what say about, low. I mean, there's like... Well, I guess there's probably a hundred cards in those directive cards. I mean, does that feel like it's got a little bit of variability in it, or? I don't know if there's a hundred cards in there. You think there's a hundred uh, cards? I don't in know, there? Uh, something like that. <laughs> it was I'm going to guess there's fifty cards in there. If that. All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the thing about that though is that there are a lot of copies of the same card in there. Right, too. like I said, there's eight of those stock cards in there. So yeah, I don't know the, the exact distribution of the deck, but. Uh, uh, yeah, there's there's 40 directive cards <laughs> 40 100 whatever no but I, I my point was okay so even if well that's if there's only 40 yeah there's a lot of duplicates so you you're mm. running across the same cards over and over and over again there's not a lot of yeah there so chad what do you feel like uh with the variability of this game yeah i this will come into my final review of it but i i feel like there's enough that i'm glad that i have the game but I, I I agree with Richie. It's not something I'm always gonna pull off just because uh, it it could wear itself thin pretty fast. This is gonna be one of those reviews I think where we're all kind of in the same agreement. Um, this game has got some plays in it for me. I think eventually it's gonna be like okay, I've done the game, I've shown it to everybody, and now I'm kind of done with it type of thing. You know, which nothing there's nothing wrong with that type of game, and I mean it's. Uh, you know, it has some solid aspects to it, but as far as this game being played multiple times over a long course of time, probably not going to happen because it just is not going to be that much different. And as Richie said, I mean, whether you start in, you know, wherever in Miami or Rome or, you know, the port of Spain, it ain't going to be that much of a, <laughs> of a different game if you can find the port of Spain, <laughs> which I <Sorry>. cannot. <laughs> 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 that might have been the funniest part of the weekend is Richie not finding the port of Spain. <laughs> it's, that, go back to the art and production. They should have darkened the, the font for the port, or at least for the port of Spain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I made a couple bad moves. So I still came back and won that game. Yeah, you did. By you one did point. win that game. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, what do you guys think? It's time to wrap a bow on this and go with our ratings. All right, Richie, tell us that wonderful Punchboard Paradise rating system. So on Punchboard Paradise, we rate on a six-point scale with a one being a game that makes you miserable and a six being a game that could be in your top ten of all time. Chad, what rating would you give Pan Am? Well, I played this, and I did, I did go out and get a copy after I played it. I enjoy what it's doing. I think Gateway Plus is right where it sits. Uh, this, to me, this game is one that you pull out when you have the couple that you don't see very often and they want to come over and play a game with you and they're not as big a gamers, but you want to give them some decisions and show them what, what board games can do. And we have a couple of those couples friends. It's a great it's a great game for that, you know. It's not a long game. It can move pretty fast. There's plenty of jockeying around the table as you're as you're bidding on spots and kind of, you know, elbowing each other. And, you know, this game was thirty five dollars. And to me, you know, 
there there are plenty of you, you get ticket to ride at Target. That's fifty bucks, you know, for the MSRP. Uh, or a ticket to ride variant, which is forty bucks usually. So to me, this this is worth what I paid for it, you know, because I'm not going to play ticket to ride or or a variant of it all the time either, considering the uh, the re- replayability factors. So to me, this is a four. It is a good game that I'll pull off the shelf in certain times when we have couples over and uh, and enjoy playing it for the sixty minutes or so, maybe a little bit longer that it takes. And uh, have fun around the table with them. All right, very good, Richie. What say you? Uh, and I was kind of on that the fence between the three and the four. I think I'm going to come in at a three, and that's mainly just because the replayability issue. I, I just don't know how often this is going to come off uh, the shelf for me. And I'm still, I'm not a hundred percent convinced. Still on the Gateway Plus. I would say it's in between a gateway and a gateway plus the variety in the box is not there. Now, if they start releasing like little expansions, little decks that just to mix it up in some way, then I could see myself maybe picking it up uh, down the road. But just as it is today, the, the base game, it's good. And I would say definitely check it out if you get a chance to check it out. But it, if I, I, if I gave it a four today, I'd be giving it a three in a year. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to give it the three now. I'm going to give it the three now. Okay. Well, you know, I, I agree with all the points that you guys are definitely making. Um, you know, you could review this on really, you know, two merits. I mean, the first thing you could say is if you're talking about a game that you're picking up at Target, okay, and it's a $35 game, this game's knocking it out of the park, in my opinion, for that, okay? I mean, when, when there's some pretty bad games and that, you know, certainly Target carries. I mean, you can go pick up Hi-Ho Cheerio or whatever, you know. So you have an opportunity to pick up Pan Am. That's a pretty good game. And, I mean, if it brings some people in to some a little bit more of a strategy Euro type of game, I think that's a great thing. And at the price point of $35, especially nowadays when, heck, most of our games are more like in the 70 to even higher ranges, this is a good, you got a decent little game here in this box. Now, if you're talking about, you know, comparatively to, you know, my top 10 games of all time or whatever, or, you know, even top 50 games of all time, no, this is not going to hit that level. But I still think it's solid, and I still would recommend this game, even to gamers. I think this is a game that you should check out. Now, am I going to say this is, you know, the best game that I've played so far in 2020? No, because I'm never going to say that again. Because <laughs> somebody's going to put it back on there and have me listen to it again. That's right. <laughs> but I think this is a solid game. So I'm going to come in. I think this is definitely a four. It's a game. I'm not looking to sell it out of my collection at this time. I'm still excited to show it to other people. Um, you know, I think it's still got a few players in it. And yeah, so I think it is a solid four is what I'm going to give it. Yeah. So I've played Villainous and, uh, you know, some of those other games. And I think to me, this is like by far and away the best designed game from that, that collective from Prospero Hall. Oh, without a doubt. Not even close. So it was a great find. Um, that's, there you have it. That's our review. Uh, four from me, a four from Clef and a three from Richie. 
All right. Well, All righty. Future Richie. He might might have given it a four this time, but future Richie's going to give it a three. So I, I'm, at a, stick I'm at a solid three. <laughs> it's a solid three. <laughs> now, if we're just rating target games, then, I mean, it could even be like a five. If we're just rating target games. I would agree. Games, right. I would agree. But all right. All right. Well, hey. We got ourselves a new patron. Yeah, I mean, not that's even right. a four. That that's a six. That that's that a might six. go to eleven. A, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tom Falbo, thank you for being a six in our in our group. Woo-hoo! We uh, we appreciate you, and as always, we appreciate all our patrons, and we appreciate our our listeners who, even if you can't uh, can't donate to the Patreon or help us out that way, you can always help us out by uh, recommending us and uh, putting a. Uh, given us a rating we understand that it's not in everybody's budget to be able to do those things and we appreciate any help that we do get from you but thank yeah. you to tom falbo yeah the other people they can start like sending us free games or maybe food or steaks or something <laughs> we just no talked more, about how much no meat more you food. Had. nobody yeah, doesn't need to send you food <laughs> don't don't send any food please <laughs> one of the rewards that um we have our patrons is that if they're a certain level they get their top 10 board games of all time uh ripped apart i mean read by us and for us to discuss Ooh, we got a special one this time guys who is it the tree oh jordan mr jordan hopper jordan from the no cube zone podcast. oh that's right the good old no cube zone podcast but i will tell you guys if you don't know why his name is the tree when you meet him Make sure that you look about as high as your neck can go because that's where you'll find his face is way, <laughs> way up there. Yeah. He's tall. Well, he we met him for, I think the first time I actually met him face to ba- face might be at one of the 24-hour gaming events, the fundraisers, and my son was helping out, you know, with a Punchboard Paradise shirt on and uh-huh. everything. My son, who, like, A, has no filter, and B, has never learned how to whisper, <laughs> and he just goes to me, he's tall. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth right there. Okay. So here we go. Here is Mr. Jordan Hopper's top 10 You list. right there, buddy? <laughs> Little little phone like, issues. It looks like me catching a frisbee. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So coming in at number ten is ah Richie's number one, or at least it was the last time we did uh, our top tens. Number one, Lorenzo El Magnifico. Ooh, there we go. All right. Yeah, I'm excited for Jordan's list because I I think I know what his number one is, and he's got he's got a lot of good. You think good it's gonna be pretty good? Yeah, All right. he does. And he's starting well, off with a good one. He is starting off with a great one. Uh, one of definitely one of my favorites. I love this game. You know, I think a lot of games that are going to be on here are are games that were played at at one of my birthday game days a few a few years ago with Jordan. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I still don't, I like to not remember that birthday game day. It's the only day that I did not like Age of Steam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, number nine. Viticulture. All right. Nice. That is a good game. I like Viticulture. All right. Good pick here. All right. Moving right along. Number eight, a good old bag builder in Orléans. I'll tell you what, Jordan. We need to get Jordan over here more often. What's happening here? I just talked to him, and he's like, hey, we need to get together and play some uh, heavy Euros. He needs some in his life. And I was like, hell yeah, let's get that going. Well, I know he is still being responsible social distancer because he's got a baby very soon on the way. So he does want to play those. All right. 
Um, number seven, brass. Ooh, Ooh, good one. He doesn't specify. He does specify. Oh, he does specify. Okay. <laughs> Lancashire. Brass Lancashire. Nice. Thanks. Nice. Those lessons are going well. Well, you know, the $50 an hour Ben charges me. <laughs> they better be doing something. All right. Number six. Ah, one of the greatest right here. Great Western Trail. Uh, I got a play of this over the weekend. We did. And that, that I think that was the most buildings we've ever built. Yeah. In a game. Combination-wise, yeah. First, the first disc I had to take off was movement, just because otherwise I was going to keep getting stuck on other people's buildings. I, wow. I, didn't, I didn't take off a hand, increase no, my yeah. hand size the whole game. All I just took off movement and just built buildings like I was a madman. Uh, now, the board was set up perfectly for it yes it was with the expansion, uh, with, the we expansion played with the expansion because the expansion had both things that let you build a building plus i had that new promotional building or not uh, expansion the building 13th that, building 13th building that lets you build a building so i uh, i got up to the big boy i got the big 25er out there very very end of the game so nice. it, was, it was a lot of fun yeah um number five castles of burgundy yeah that's right. such a solid classic. solid solid game so far, I don't have anything that I can rip apart. No, you don't. Man, don't. man, come on. All right, number four, Stockpile. I really still I like, stockpile like Stockpile quite a lot, bit. so. Eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We got your back, Jordan. All right, yeah. yeah I, right. I enjoy right. it. So I like, especially a, with the expansion. Yeah, with the, we get the, the, dice. the dice. Yeah. Yeah. This is one I showed up people who don't like games and i'm like here we'll play stockpile then i don't know <laughs> i think it's a stockpile party game i really like that yeah it's yeah. a solid game yeah yeah all right moving on <laughs> all right oh boy it's it's getting better though here number three Whew. i don't know where this is going to come in on my uh top uh games of all time when we do it yeah <laughs> uh this game is age of steam have you guys heard of this game yeah yeah i've, I've, I've heard of it so so it'll probably come in top of your list next time but what? whoa 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 spoilers i would guess it will come you, in top of your list but it probably will be like number three or four in games of 2000 <laughs> <laughs> probably oh, that really hurts all right <laughs> we, and we played a lot of age of steam this past weekend i got in five five different maps that's amazing yeah we have sent Richie down the rabbit hole too. Yeah, so we I'm, I'm, I'm going down I'm the very rabbit excited. hole. Uh, yeah. Uh, can, can we give a little spoiler here? Our next episode is going to be a review and a comparison of Age of Steam, Steam, and Railways. So uh, look forward to that. Hopefully, everybody uh, is interested in that because we've been playing a lot of all those games and so sorry jordan didn't mean to interrupt your list trying to talk about that but yeah so that that is a anyway comment. good so, pick yes. jordan because we're Solid. all oh. uh excited about that amazing game. and especially i mean he had to sit through that game with uh, no cubes on the board to start the game off with too, so <laughs> he yeah, did pretty pretty uh, okay with yeah, that yeah. setup there's only one person that did not do well yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right um anyways number two marikaibo Ooh, that really climbed right. up so, there for you. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a big jumper right there. That's awesome. And then his number one, Richie, I think you can guess his number one. I I, I think it's referred to as broccoli or Brussels sprouts. What do you call that's it? That's what we call it around here. <laughs> it's the broccoli game. <laughs> and that is good old Concordia. Concordia. So, all right. Good old Matt Gertz. Uh, you can't say anything wrong with the game. Like, no. you know, Chad and I, maybe it's not our, our cup of tea to always hit to the table, but uh, it is a solid game. And I know, a lot, I mean, I think that was our number one of the punch bunch 
uh, when we went through all their games or whatever. It was all. Yeah, it was one it was or two. It was. It was yeah, maybe really Brass high. was yeah, one. Brass yeah, was one. It was certainly up there in the top. So certainly a lot of people love that game. So yeah, and I've I've played a couple of games uh, with Jordan online. I think we have one going on right now with him and uh, and Joe. So yeah, no, so. I, I really don't have anything to rip apart Jordan's list. This is, no, you yeah. really can't. No, I, I don't know how he ended up From on a, the No Cubes podcast. Yeah, I, know, right? I was just going to say, there's a lot of cubes Nothing in Nothing but games. cubes on your list there, yeah, Jordan. <laughs> Jordan, I think you need to move into the cube zone is what yeah, you need to right. move into. <laughs> Jordan does a good job holding up his own on the Euro side of that podcast. So if you are of two minds and you like the Ameritrash and you like the Euro, I'd, I'd uh, recommend you guys give it a listen. But Regardless, thank you to Jordan for being a Patreon and a solid list from you. Thank you. Yeah. Very good list. <laughs> what are you getting all excited about? Oh, uh, well, we're ready to talk about the last draft and uh, who won. Whatever. Uh, and and what? I, I have to say. Oh, yes. Hold on. This is going to be an important thing. Let's. This might be the first ever of a punch border. I have to apologize. Yeah. And at the last episode when uh, Clef said that he got the Age of Steam disc as an upgrade, uh-huh. I talked about him. I said, you know, I, it's called out as a downgrade on there. But after playing Chad's deluxe copy of Age of Steam, it is an upgrade. That's right. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, the third edition of Age of Steam or or earlier is an upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> compared to the the uh, deluxe. The board is the the cube board is ridiculously crowded. I don't know why that's so tight on I there. I don't either. All they really need if you want to upgrade Age of Steam as far as the boards go is just put color on them. Which they do have. Which they do have, yes. You, you can get they, those. You can get those printed, but uh-huh. I'm just saying in the base game. Sure, yeah. Actually, you know what? I really like the mini poker chips. Like, as far as if I'm going to get paper money or mini poker chips, I'll, I'll take the mini poker those chips. Those mini poker chips are pretty are pretty great because you don't have to tote, allow, tote around uh, regular size heavy poker chips. Right. And, and they've got weight for their size, I feel like. Yeah, they do. And like I said, for just if we're just talking like my iron clays are nowhere around and I got to go... You know, get on a plane or something like that. And I'm taking Age of Steam with me. I'd rather have those mini ch- poker chips in the box than paper money or the little crappy silver and brown tokens that some- they sometimes throw in ooh, those games. Oh, I don't know how anybody plays with those. But yes, <laughs> I would agree with that. But the thing about it is, and, and we can talk more about this in a future episode, but it's not that the deluxe copy is not beautiful because it oh, is it's very I beautiful. Mean, it's very looks good but the functionality is the problem that i have with the game and with that with that version and those boards are just not functional now that's coming from somebody who has played 35 plus games on the third edition boards and obviously when you're used to something you're used to it but i yeah it's just it's it's very very jumbled and just it's very very hard to understand sometimes and i hate the lettering on the actions, I don't know. I don't want to sit here and complain about it. It's hey, play an age of steam. It's like you know, pizza. 
like pizza, you know, hey, even the worst pizza is still pizza, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think you have a good point with the with the boards. That is, they are really small, and they made them small to be able to fit, like, up to, like, nine maps in that box, basically. Because in the, in the deluxe version, there's, like, nine or ten maps, essentially. So that, plus the poker chips and all that stuff, it had to be, it had to be smaller, and, and it, does, it does feel fiddly, you know, and trying to manipulate some of that stuff around the board. Yep. Yeah, and I, and I I get that but like i said clef i i apologize i went home after this weekend and i voted for you in the draft wow you that stink. must be a first <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh it's time to make the loser uh do something for was it five minutes what <laughs> oh i can't remember the time I, it was uh, like 30 seconds oh, 30, oh, minutes. 30 seconds <laughs> last few times i've got to do stuff that i like talking about uh, <laughs> All right, and just so that we know the, the breakdown of how the vote came out, Clef came in first place with 39% of the vote. I came in second place with 34.1% of the vote. And Chad came in last place with 26.8% of the vote. And that's over at our guild, 3227. So if you want to participate, come join the guild on BGG. Yeah. This actually was uh, fairly close uh, between us all. Yeah, it was. And it wasn't, you know, like a complete. And there's a lot of good discussion on there as far as what we missed or what they th what they felt like we should have drafted. But there were some other plastic dice lovers. Yeah, in the form, and I'm happy about that. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's <laughs> true. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Okay, so this is actually something I've really been wanting Chad to uh, say what really should be uh, a couple of weeks ago. We sat down to play an Age of Steam map, and we went to play Sweden. And it was the first time we got... <laughs> He's super salty about this still. I am super salty. So I'm still mad about I'm this. I'm ready to give this to So we sat down to play, and I mean, to me, it was a brilliant map of how uh, like the yellow cubes turn into red cubes, like you recycled them, and the red turned into blue, and then the blue turned into black, and finally the black then finally went out of the game. And it was definitely interesting in the fact instead of rounds... You basically played until all the cubes were gone in the game. And it was me and Richie and Chad and then my son Mason, and we were playing this. And it took, you know, it wasn't a quick map by any lengths of the imagination. No, it's definitely longer than a was, normal Age of Steam game. But. Sure, absolutely. So it was a little bit longer, but I found it fascinating. I was enthralled the whole time, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Talked to Richie the next day. And he was like, yeah, I mean, I think that's that puts you into that, your... I went and bought like 17 maps right. that, the next day. Richie went into the rabbit hole of buying maps. Uh, you know, I talked to next day with uh, my son, Mason, and we were talking about, oh, my God, this game is just amazing, and that map was really cool and everything about it. And the next thing I noticed on Twitter, there's a tweet from Punchboard Paradise saying, hey, we played Sweden. This game was a little long. It overstayed its welcome, and... I don't know. The map wasn't all that good or something. I can't even remember exactly what it said. But I was like, what is this? I'm like calling Richie and like just going crazy. And, um, you know, I, I called, I think I called the local newspaper and I called, you know, the TV stations. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but this map was amazing. And so I think Chad was just wrong that night. And I think it is now time for him to say what a perfect and amazing map Sweden is and what perfect amount of time it was. And so Chad... You are now on the clock to say how amazing Sweden of Age of Steam map is. All right. Do you have this timer going yet? <laughs> All right, Chad. And your time starts now. All right. Well, I just want to say that I was wrong about this map. And I really enjoy this map because I think recycling is really important. 
I am big uh, into the environment and uh, and green. Time out. Time out. This is about to be the Matt Damon thing again. You have to stay on topic. You cannot start talking about recycling when you're supposed to talk about the map. Will you let me finish? That is what the what the map is about. It's about recycling. And I, I really enjoy that. And it is actually the perfect link because I like, you know, I like sometimes to watch people AP and I like to sit through that. So that was, that was good. And I really like to go to work. I like to go to work really tired in the morning sometimes. I, that's actually something I like to do. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh well i think that about wraps this episode up <laughs> i think so uh, i'm sorry that the punch punch had to sit through those shenanigans <laughs> uh, all right well like i said next week or next episode we are going to have uh age of steam steam and railways as kind of a try review and kind of just a uh, kind of a comparison so along with our usual draft of something oh yeah well obviously yep which of course. uh the good old uh patrons will be uh voting on uh yeah so anyways uh thanks everyone and uh we have a good night take care all thanks for listening punchboard paradise would like to thank our loyal listeners as well as the publishers and designers that have provided review copies you can find us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at punchboarders we are on instagram at punchboard paradise and facebook at punchboard paradise before I actually yeah that's why I was worried about that line because it's wonky probably yeah I don't know what you have against inserts just the loves it's not a lot of me in here I'm not so sure I like this (laughs) (laughs) he is ad libbing first page I got one line oh my god you're one of those (laughs) where's my time